Hey there, missionaries. It's Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble, bringing you a very special presentation today on the Michelle Mission podcast feed. Tonight, we are going to be listening to episode five of a podcast that I do at my other podcast home, my first podcast home, to be fair, The Black Tribbles. We are reviewing HBO's Lovecraft Country on a show that we call the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country. We just recently reviewed episode five titled Strange Case, which is the halfway point of the first season of Lovecraft Country. And on this episode, the Black Tribbles were joined by my partner on the show mission, Vincent Williams. Uh, so I thought that you might enjoy listening to it. I know that there are more than a few of our missionaries who are fans of Lovecraft Country and have tried to get me and Vince to talk about it. We've actually haven't delved that deeply into the show. And here's the reason why. It's because I do a podcast about Lovecraft Country. And if you want to check out the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, we stream live every Monday at 9 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube at Black Tribbles. And the podcast is available on Tuesday morning for your download and streaming pleasure any place that you find podcasts, you can go looking up Black Tribbles or the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, and you'll find it. Like and subscribe and give us a ranking and a rating that'll help other people find the show. Okay, so enjoy this special presentation. Everybody, welcome for all of you streaming live on YouTube and Facebook at Black Tribbles. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, our weekly review of Lovecraft Country, HBO's historical fantasy horror series. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by her. Hey, it's Gabe, your favorite good ghoul gone bad, the horror triple, talking about spooky stuff, including Lovecraft and racism in America. (laughs) And we're also joined by. What's up, good people? It's your friendly neighborhood comic book and coffee slinger. It's your Amalgam Tribble, a.k.a. Uncanny Tribble, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy Tribble. Show enough. Show enough. In the building. Letty for life. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) And we also have this guy. The man, the myth, the legend, Master Tribble, E-Mac. You already know what it is. You need nothing else prepared if you're packing a Mac in the back of the act. Or Woody, as the case may go. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be reviewing Lovecraft Country today, and hopefully we will be joined soon by our very special guest, my partner on the Me Show Mission podcast, 
Vincent Williams, who should be racing to a StreamYard application at this very moment. Um, so we, hopefully we'll be able to chime him in to join us for our review of episode five of Lovecraft Country, Strange Case, written by Misha Green and Jonathan uh, Kidd and Sonia Winton Odominton and directed by Cheryl Dunye. After making a devil's bargain with William, Ruby steps into the charmed shoes of a white woman. A betrayal by Montrose unleashes Atticus' pent-up rage, leaving Letty deeply disturbed and sending Montrose into the comforting arms of his secret lover. Secret oh. lover. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This episode was a culmination of many theories that we have been banting about for four episodes here on the the triple guide, travel guide that was led by our uncanny triple uh, Ariel, who was the first to put some of these theories into the ether. Let's get it going. Gabe Ariel. Where are we going in our Trivial Guide? Well, first, we, we essentially open with Montrose's ass beating that he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... True story. Yes. True story. Uh, like... Long overdue. Yeah, and I think... And so what's funny is I think that whole thing happens and Letty is still like, oh man, he let her go. Like she keeps saying like, oh, I guess it makes sense that he would let her go because why? Because we'd, be, no we'd, be, we'd be no better than Titus if we kept her. And it's like, and then Atticus had to be like, no, he didn't let her go. And then that like, and the fact that it like wrecks her, like it never even dawns on her that this horrific act occurred. And, and for her, that's when she's like, this is making us evil. It's like, we are becoming, right. we're becoming the monsters. Um, which I think is, again, is an interesting theme because I think that also takes us back to episode one where we see these cops who, you know, they are the real danger. And then I, I, I thought it was profound to see like one of, you know, who should be the good guys. And, and if you're white, you, they are the good guys. Right. But then like we see them physically become the monsters. And so for Montrose's like act of violence against Yahima. Um, was like again was that turning point? It's like okay, now we're becoming the monsters. And and, and addition- for, uh, real quick, I'm sorry, just to to speak of monsters, we're joined by one. It's one Vincent <laughs> Williams. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Hey, hey, what's up, man? How you feel, Johnny? Good Come to see you. folks. Good to see folks. Hey, Vince. How- Ariel, go ahead, cause you're killing it. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ariel. Since Vince got here late, ladies and gentlemen, got to you see how he silenced little... me. See, I, I, see, I'm sorry. I, 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 I he, uh, the folks are going to get to see how the sausage is made a little bit. Vince, have you hit record? Yes, I have. Okay, very good. That's all. I'm ready. I'm I'm coming in hot. I'm Eddie Kane Jr. at the beginning of the five heartbeats. <laughs> Do we need to clap again? <laughs> we'll make it work. <laughs> Go ahead, Ariel. Um, no, so I, so I think again, just that coming back around to like we are seeing 
we see how easy it is to become the monster, right? And so you can justify it however you want to justify it, but you just murdered an innocent person because that's that's what fit your narrative. And then the other thing that's like really frustrating is like they almost died for those pages. He destroyed the pages? Beat his ass again. It's like, especially you need to catch everybody's hands. Everybody just pop, pop, pop. Get one mm-hmm. in. Because it's just like, so what did, what did we do all that for? We drove to Boston, went through the secret. Walked back to Chicago. Indiana Jones Tunnel, back to Chicago. Now, um, Hippolyta knows something's up. And so now she's off on her own mission. Yeah, well, Still not back yet. Like, Letty risking her life going out to get the dang on pages. Then you destroy him. I'm, I'm mm. about done with Montrose. I'm about mm-mm, done. Mm-mm. And Omar, but we also, Omar usually can do no wrong, but he wrong today. <laughs> yeah. You wrong, Omar. <laughs> well, I, you know, because when you're with your, what you're saying with our heroes kind of showing us a darker side, even with Atticus kind of losing it, like he, he is someone who's been calm, cool and collected and honestly very nervous and uncomfortable to be anywhere for four episodes and for him to come go so hard without any kind of limit to the point where Letty was like holding a bat right. and was like, yeah. I am afraid of you and telling him I am afraid of you. And like, you know, him admitting like, I didn't know that 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 hate and that violence was in me. And then, you know, prompting it with being like, but I found it in the war. And, mm. you know, from the preview for next episode, like we're going to see the war. So we're going to see a-, a whole new Atticus that we here since have not experienced like we've seen little soft-spoken sweet Atticus uh and now it's danger danger Will Robinson uh nerd soul says that danger I'll go on I'm just saying nerd soul said that they (laughs) they got 10 steps forwards and then Montrose took them 40 40 steps back and uh (laughs) someone on Facebook says I literally just finished the episode yo that spit was gross. <laughs> Spit is not oh, lubrication. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Well, I that is not right. a good time However, for anybody. Well, I think in the right it's situation, it has to be. Not for what the they needed. It seems pretty adequate. Because like that's the one thing I do have to note. When you see like a gay scene, you it's just like a. I'm like no, no. Like Brokeback Mountain was like a. Like that's not real. Like when he was like. And he gave you like a good handful. I'm like, that seems like what you need. So that Even seemed more. accurate. It was excessive. I didn't realize, but it seemed accurate after the fact. Well, I mean, lub- oh, lub- okay. lubrication is key. <laughs> but all right, I'm just, I'm just saying, he does not have WAP, and therefore. <laughs> he needs more than a little spit. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a different. The area that needs more lubrication, and as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "That is not enough, Mantra." I was like, "Have has the violence not ended from you today?" That was that's where I was. And, it, and, it, and I feel Apparently like it not may quite. not have. It may not have. V Plane says that was a huge wad of spit. Guys, let's stay focused. There was spit, but there's so much more to talk about. And yeah, there really is. There and, really is. But just to segue about the WAP, I saw somebody <laughs> did a Patty Gladys 
WAP recreation. Oh my God, I saw with, your picture. With the, with the beehive, with them back to back, and I bust out laughing because not like that. Like, I don't want to think about Gladys and Patty in that way. <laughs> no. Like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> they my uh. grandmas. Like, they would give me candy. I don't want to know about that, but it just, oh. uh, anyway. Fun segue. Look that up. Google it. Um, <laughs> no, all right. Well, can- so, so, uh, yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Just work. one more comment. Melissa oh, G. Sorry. Uh, then I'm going to. She says, I'm happy I'm not the only one that thought Montrose needed to get more hands for all of his choices. So it yeah, like he needs to get that Letty bat service. It's like Letty, unleash, unleash the bat. Batter up. Because. Please step up to the plate. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm about. I'm about done with him. Um, but despite, like, despite that, I still like. I was almost moved to tears with his ball scene. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Because right. that was yeah. like that was like a moment of joy, right? And so I think I think the ongoing theme of this episode is like being who you are. So whether we're talking about Ruby, Christina, or Montrose. It's like their struggle to want to be who they are, but the world won't let them. Right. Mm. Um, And so, you know, I do think, you know, Montrose's violence towards Yahima is stemmed from his own anger and maybe confusion or denial of his own sexuality. Right. And And so he so he takes it out on um, this person who embodies both the feminine and the masculine. And then so and then we see him at the ball. Um, I forget the name of his, I guess, lovers, because they kind of make it clear that they're not really like official. Sammy, that's Sammy. Sammy. But like so when he is in um, in like his drag regalia and I think Montrose like observing like, again, that embodiment of the, the, the masculine, and the feminine and like embracing it like when he walks over and and kisses Sammy like I don't know I I like I teared up right because it was like this moment of joy he realizes he doesn't have to be self-conscious in this setting like you know what I mean he he is among people where no one is looking at him funny or sideways and he can just be and so I thought I thought that was like a really beautiful scene but it it all still comes on the tail end of like, but you did some really horrible stuff that I cannot act like you didn't do. Like, I'm happy you had this moment, but we need to talk about this, bro, because you was wrong. Yeah, he, he didn't deserve that moment. He didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. I, that moment yeah, I made agree. me mad. I'm like, why does he get this moment of self-acceptance here and now? Like, why? Like, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't pay for anything. You know, I don't know. Like, I just felt it was so undeserved. Well, like, I think, I mean, so for uh, me, I, I guess I don't want to say it like that because it is, we all deserve to be who we are, right? So it's like I'm not going to say he didn't deserve that moment of self acceptance, of self love, of joy, of loving the person that he right, loves. I, but, but it is like, but there still needs to be a reckoning. Right, you know what I mean? Like yes. you don't get to just yes. you don't get to skate on that because you are also being um, oppressed in, in more than one way, right? But you don't get to mm-hmm. that does not mean you get to do whatever to other people, and and so I don't know. I do feel like a, a, there needs to be a real reckoning with Montrose, but I still I don't want to say he didn't deserve that moment. Yeah, so it's just mixed feelings. 
It was, yeah. When I, for me watching it, it was very bittersweet. Like, you know, from last episode, how I feel about the situation to begin with. And also it's reflected in, in society as mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and especially in, in 2020 when we are seeing so many deaths of trans women uh, and, and it happens to be by, you know, cis men who are you know, not understanding of them. women being yes. murdered right. by, yeah. by black mm-hmm. cis men. Meant, yeah and right. so like that it, it is very like triggering and visceral to see that and and i uh, agree that there there's so many levels to this because the character of montrose like we don't get a lot of him but in a lot of what we're told is from other people like we never hear from him what he's going through we hear about right his life through the words of other people. So we heard it through uncle George talking about how he got the brunt of the, their father's wrath. We heard it from tree talking all that smack about his, you know what he's doing behind closed doors or back alleys. Um, and so like, this is our first time really getting to see him do something and, and, and be fulfilled. And like you said, this is an episode that is, you know, us kind of breaking through our, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, <laughs> uh, you know, personas that we're existing in in society and kind of fighting because there's all that hierarchy that, you know, we're switching who we are um, and like who has the most power. And at the end of the day, of course, it's the white man, which is why Christina is the white man. And he she, he she only makes Ruby a white woman. because not can't have that much power can have a little power not all the power right right right? exactly so we're getting like all these different like hierarchies and so yeah watching it was like like i didn't feel joy when he kissed sammy um i felt sadness because it was like obviously like this is something that he needed um but i was still like i'm still pretty pretty bitter (laughs) about the death of uh yahima and so it was just like ugh. um but i did but seeing him kind of like lifted up in the glitter and like that kind of like him letting go and like accepting like that to me was a beautiful moment and i was able to kind of step away so yeah it was just very bittersweet of like (laughs) like i don't want you to have this i don't want you to have the win at least not like right now like you have to suffer first like maybe give you yes. this in a few episodes <laughs> like after it like, seems like a happily after after but now yeah it's way too early for that yeah right. i need like hippolyte to come back and smack him around right after atticus smacked him around and then it'd be fine and then i'd be like okay <laughs> go ahead vince what's your thoughts on it man i i i agree with everyone else i i do suspect that he thinks he's protecting people. I, I think one thing that came across was, was part of the way you turn into the monster is is you think you're protecting people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've seen throughout. I mean, even that, you, you want to talk about triggering, that scene with the policeman at the very beginning when Ruby first transforms, that's always under the guise of, I was trying to protect this woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it turns in and you see it throughout, even with with Atticus. I mean, with uh, right with with Tick beating up his father the way he did. He feels like, you know, we we did all this. We're trying to get all this stuff. And everyone thinks they're the hero. I I, I think in my mind, and and I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk about this, the real star of the episode is Ruby. And I love the fact that 
at the end of the day, Ruby becomes herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, sheds this white woman's skin. And, and, you know, you have, in my mind, this very triumphant last scene. And, and she's the only one that doesn't become the monster, if you will. Right. So, see, see, my t- I'm, 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 I'm holding. She's a rapist. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. is rape ever justified? Wait, who's a rapist? I was about to Ruby. say, would you say she r- raped him? I mean, she did. You wouldn't? It was. She did. It was. Yeah, I guess it was sexual assault. She, just, she 100% did. Yeah. 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 Violently. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what y'all watch. <laughs> so, exactly. So, I can't say she's not a monster. That, I would call that a monster sex by any person, period. So. But do. I'm not giving her that much. The one thing, I, oh, go ahead, the one thing I will say real, real quick about Montrose, uh, and, and Vince kind of like alluded to it, is that when we are first really introduced to Montrose, yes, we're told about how he is, the type of person he is, and we get a, the idea of this quest that he went on that Atticus and, and Letty and Uncle George are following on to find him. But when we are actually first introduced to him he is a brother that has escaped captivity for Mm -hmm. going on the quest that he that he went on so now this man who for whatever reason you can say right or wrong for whatever reason felt that he was justified to lay hands on his son as he was raising him tried to create make him the man that he wanted he thought that he should be and probably trying to make him the man not that what he was you know a little bit of that self-loathing um now is wrapped up in this in this uh scheme of his sons to follow in his footsteps and he can only and where he sees that leading is you know my son caged up like an animal so he's going to to me he's going to try and do everything in his power to keep his his son from that fate misguided though it may be and i I will agree that it is and yes he did take someone's life into his old hands in doing it but i think what you see in the aftermath of that is the further deepening of that self-loathing because he was moved to take that act um uh to take someone's life in his warped mind as a justification for for um, keeping his son from that fate, which is why he probably as his, as you know, his son is pummeling on him, ate a lot of that sh- stuff because he, he, he felt that some of that shit he had coming, you know, if, if only he could beat his own ass. And uh, <laughs> then if goes, only. right and then then goes into the arms of someone where he felt that he could finally open up. I didn't necessarily see it as a redemption song. I just saw it as a dude just trying to find his way back to to normal or whatever sense of normal. You know what I mean? Um, so while I felt misg- the same misgivings that y'all did about, you know, the ballroom scene and how beautiful that it was, it was depicted. Um, I still could feel for him uh, and feel his release as it was, um, as it were in that scene. And 
on a, a, a on a lighter note, I could also feel for the actor Michael K. Williams because I don't think I've ever seen him allowed to smile in a scene. So right. it was nice to just see him be happy for, for a moment. On screen. I didn't know the brother knew how to smile. Like, yeah. cause like Omar was always dire and happen Leonard. He was always dire on, um, uh, boom, what was it? What was the show? Boardwalk empire. Boardwalk empire. Chalky white, Chalky white was yeah. always, always that the man never smiled. So I was just happy that he got a moment to just, you know, dance in some sunlight for a little bit, get some glitter on. I was like, <laughs> go ahead, man. God bless. Shoot. I don't know. He still need a redemption song. He ain't reek yet. He's still a phenom. <laughs> so once he reek, then he get, then he deserves a no, little bit of redemption. Yeah, song, once but. he's reek, he is then Theon. Like that's the thing. It's like you gotta be yeah, exactly. Reek you know, right. you gotta get the reek to first. become Theon. And he ain't reek. Right. So yeah, I just I just felt like I don't know. Find yourself later tonight. Find another Yahima. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know what? So the so Nerd the, Soul says no glitter for you. Right. No glitter for <laughs> no you. No glitter for you. You're on glitter probation. Right. Earn it. You earn your glitter. You got to earn it. But so so you just got and glitter just sitting here waiting for you, and that ain't right. Glitter got to understand glitter's worth. All right. Glitter should be out here living glitter's life, but glitter sitting here waiting for you. You can't even say hello when you come in the door because you ashamed of yourself, ashamed of be who you are. But you come right back to glitter as soon as you end your feelings, don't you though? Mm. Get it together, Montrose. Get it together. Glitter could do so much better. But whatever. I guess Glitter chose you, so whatever. But wait, I wanted to have like one side note about Yahima just to drop it out there. Like, because Yahima died in Letty's house. So I feel like we're, or at least I'm kind of hoping we get a moment where Letty communicates Mm. with Mm. them. Yeah. And she's still hanging yeah, around. Yeah, that she's still right. in the house. Because even, I, I, I assume, because obviously Yahima was immortal as long as she was in that place. Right? Yeah. Poor but, right. but now that she's not in that place. And so, so I'm, I mean, so my hope is like, it is what it is as far as like, they, oh, I no. mean, no, it is what it is because I, I, I let them die. Let them be free. No, 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 not, no, but I'm saying, but it's like, so I feel like the, I feel like the spirits of the, the, like the uh, seven black people that mm-hmm. were tortured, I think they're still there. They're just at peace because their tormentor is not there. So it's not so much that I don't want her to have peace. I just want to hear from her you know what I mean because it's just right. like just the way that she was taken out like you said like you pointed out it's like they they took her voice when she's not in that place she can't speak she's a siren then you know we have this moment where we think like oh she's going to become one of the Scooby gang for you know for Buffy <laughs> fans out there and then it was like what Montrose what in the actual fuck did you just do <laughs> and so then we so again I just want to hear from that character you know what I mean like I just thought yeah I like yeah. from the second like she reanimated, I was like, oh, who is that? You know what I mean? Like all of my attention yeah. was like, I want to know more about this person. And then that just got snatched from us. So not saying I don't want her to be at peace. I just hope that we get to hear from her one last time, maybe bef- be- before she moves on. And we know that Letty is that kind of conduit between the living and the dead. And and she because she died in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I yeah, feel, I, I don't know if Letty will do it though, because she, like she said, you know, well, I don't think she was hoping she was free because she was like 
if we're using her, we're doing the same thing as them. Right. You know? Just I, like, y'all... Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I actually kind of did like um, because you were the one that brought that up last episode, Gabe, and I liked that right off the top of this episode, it actually gave voice to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, which is what we kind of like said. You know, it would be interesting to whether or not they actually make note of that, and the fact that they actually made made it a point to say that right off the bat, like, no, we actually recognize what happened here. You know what I mean? And the, um, you know, the, the, in every way in which it is fucked up is as far as a reflection on Montrose and as far as how it reflects on us as well. So I, I didn't mm-hmm. appreciate that. Yeah. My notes here said, Letty, my boo. When she said that, I was like, she's, she's just always coming out here. Also, I have a note that says, damn, Letty, this is only your second time. <laughs> so I was like, what? You learned a lot. You learned a lot she's after a that bathroom study. round. <laughs> what? You started associating things. She's like, oh, I get it now. Right. Natural over here. <laughs> oh my god um yeah well why don't we we talk about the, the 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 big the big thing on this for this episode the big issue one uh the in the book this uh chapter is called jekyll and hyde park um mm-hmm. and so for you know it um it, that is exciting there's a lot of dr jekyll mr hyde uh kind of uh it, throwbacks and, and <laughs> things throughout and old film and uh, all those hints. There's also some Frankensteining yes. that happens here. Yes. If we're kind of, you know, alluding to any of the, our classic horror literature. Yeah. Oof, I was like, what in the ghetto is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> what in the ghetto? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, the, oh, al- right. the illusion starts with the, with the title, a strange case because the, mm-hmm. the book is right. A strange exactly. case yeah. of Dr. Of- Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde, yeah. Yeah. And then we wake up immediately with Ruby in the body of a woman we know or assumed is dead. Right. Um, Mm. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, she's kind of, you know, wandering through, looking disheveled. uh, And we're immediately confronted with a lot of levels of what it means to be a white woman uh, at this time and period. Like her interaction with the the young boy who just tries to help her um, and being able to kind of wield her new white woman power and then immediately losing white women power uh, by being dubbed like hysterical and Mm bringing you back to your husband even though he could murder you and has this creepy plastic murder rug um, and so yeah i think that's it, it's such a shocking uh intro to this episode which i think um does kind of ch- like i do think this is a very pivotal episode um and really changes like the tone and the direction of where we're going uh, in a way that we hadn't like i feel like all the other ones were kind of soft put into and this one was like harsh right into like there's body gore, there's horror, there's like systemic racism. It's all in here and it's in your face. Right. I, and, and I had a note for that too. Um, the, so the character that Ruby turns into uh, from Artem is Dell, and the woman right. who was the key, the key holder that Letty mm-hmm. knocks her in the face with a shovel or a gun or something. I think it was a shovel. Um, I don't think it was a shovel. But I, I had that same note of just so she's like Ruby wakes up and she goes home. 
So she's this white woman, hysterical, in a black neighborhood. But yet, right. the presumption of innocence is like, oh, what are they doing to you? It's like, what is she doing here? Like, you know what I mean? This is not yeah. her hood. She's in our neighborhood. She's in our space. But even when whiteness comes into black spaces, it's like, oh, again, you're the innocent one. You're the one that needs to be protected. Um, but and then, but as you said, so it's like, oh, we need to protect you. But at the same time, we're going to take you back to the man who you obviously don't, you were running away from. Right. Yeah. With, that you belong with, to. with no question. Oh, your husband explained all this. OK, he could be lying. You know what I mean? Just like I could have lied and said that boy did something when he didn't. You know what I mean? And so I, mm-hmm. I do think the fact that those things are like playing again so right off the bat you get the hierarchy so i think that's interesting when you say that's what i was right like that christina christina makes Mm -hmm. ruby a white woman but makes herself a white man because it's like we understand what the hierarchy is yeah and and it's because like that's where she's starting from too right like you kind of get a level up (laughs) you get the next level um and yeah they're they're there's a lot of layers to it. Um, you know, I'm going to let Vince, Vince, you go. You, you were agreeing. You were saying stuff. So like, <laughs> no, no, no. Just about the hierarchy. But but again, I think what fascinated me the most is that whereas Christina looks at her white manhood almost as an armor or, or, or something to to, um, you, you know, I, I want to ascend into this. You get the sense that Ruby sees what being a white woman is and she says it in so many words and at the end she doesn't want any parts of it right and 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 you know i think what struck me the most is the the progression of the transformations as ruby would burst out of Mm -hmm. this body and and you know you have the you you have like the 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 body horror of the first with that eye coming out of the mouth Mm. Oh, and, and then, oh, oh, oh. You, you know, you have almost the murder scene and then you go all the, you know, it's kind of funny. It's, it's almost, you know, you want to talk about uh, references. I got a little bit of Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor mm-hmm. when she was changing yeah. in the store. I see that. And then finally you got stuff. this this sort of, you, you know, th- this very sort of triumphant caterpillar bursting from the cocoon. She got bloody and, shoes. <laughs> and yeah. and one you know, one of the one of the really interesting choices that I've been liking, and, and I haven't read the book in like a so I'll I'll preface with that. I don't remember Ruby being described as overweight in the book. I don't think so. Yeah. Like they made a point of Letty being lighter. Right. Mm-hmm. But but you know, there was never a sense that Ruby and I thought casting this woman in this role has really given this fascinating dynamic to it. And and some of that bore fruit in this last episode where she burst out of this white body. And usually what we think of, you, you know, the way that, that, that you know, plus-size women are, are, are kind of stigmatized in our society. But it was, it, was, it was like a butterfly bursting out of this constrained skin. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so well done. Yeah. So yeah. that you, you know, it was just fantastic. I, I will also like I loved everything about that journey. I will also second that as far as just like focusing in on the transformation that it could have been very easy because uh, Ruby, it, it you know the the actress Wanmi Masaka 
is um, you know a, a, a plus of a plus size, it could have been easy for that transformation to be you know seeing the body shell as it were being distended as it were but it but you didn't go there because i think there it could have lent itself to maybe some type of uh comedic effect i could see the memes from it you know now Mm -hmm. but they kept it they kept it uh graphic they kept it um you know in your face and at times they they kept it kind of like blurry and you know so you unfocused and you could just see the violence of it um i thought it was i thought it was really really well done and uh just effective yeah yeah and we were talking about uh a little bit about body horror before the broadcast started and just kind of talking about like what's more disturbing and i will say the scenes of like uh, Ruby and Christina kind of coming out of their false skin while, you know, recognizing that it was gory and it was body horror. That was less horrific for me than seeing the, um, the kind of experimented and dismembered bodies of the, the black ghosts in Letty's house Mm. like that. Yeah. Messed me up. I was like, I don't want to see that again. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It, it, Something about that, it just didn't come off as gruesome, though it was bloody. I don't know mm-hmm. why I felt more comfortable watching that than I did just seeing, you know, like the the baby head on the, the man's body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah. I mean, in the case of, 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 of Ruby, it's like you are seeing this um, fully realized black woman come out of this false skin as opposed to her being um, manipulated, right, and and right. and misrepresented. I don't know. I don't. I feel like yeah. I'm not saying it well, yes. but you know what I mean. It's just like it was. We were seeing her. Like the end result of that was her. So I can only take joy in that. And I thought I thought it was really well done because in the book they talk about when the change starts, it would start with her nails. Her nails would get bloody. And I remember reading right. that and trying to like think like what does that look like and so I just thought it was a really well translation from book to screen um and again like yes it did look natural and just almost like this just shedding of a cocoon I I I agree I thought it was like really well done and um powerful like because again the times that she chooses because there are a couple times where we she has the vial and chooses not to take it so it's like with every right. transformation she's coming to realize that this ain't all that it's cracked up to be you know what i mean as she's spending time with like the white women that she works with and hearing mm. their conversation and their conversation mm-hmm. is about blackness their fascination with it like so you still mm-hmm. calling us niggers but you want to be us you want to be where we are you want right. to experience life oh you got moves you could be on the colored version like you know what i mean so so mm-hmm. recognizing like our majesty right but but never letting it not recognizing it fully because you don't have it right and even christina right. says it it's like we want to be you and you want to be us but at the end of it i don't think ruby wants to be you at all and i think the other interesting thing is like i rem- in the book they talk about um the woman she actually turns into who is hillary 
is a different woman. So she's like mm-hmm. slender. She's got red hair. They talk about how pretty, yeah. how pretty she is. And I think the thing with with them um, making her instead be this character that we've seen before, Dell. Dell is a very plain looking chick to me. Like she just regular mm-hmm. right. regular white girl. Like she wouldn't turn anybody's head, right? But the and so the idea of like. Because I think Ruby is beautiful, right? Like you, like yeah. you got right. you got to take a step back, like okay, yeah. okay, you know what I mean. But but she gets turned into this mediocre white woman. But now right. now she's and able to excel, right? And so when she's having these conversations, like with Tamara, and mm-hmm. and I think she a she's really hard on Tamara, and I think it comes from the fact that she's thinking, as a black woman, I did all these things and I still didn't get this job. You got this job. And, and, and even though um, Tamar is a dark-skinned black woman, she's thinner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, which is important. Which is important. So, yep. so I think, again, Tamar yeah. got the job because it's like, okay, she's, she's a color girl, but she still fits within what we accept as like, okay, attractive, right? And, then, right. and despite the fact that Ruby is more qualified, she doesn't fit that, the, even that look within like what a black girl can look like. So then she just doesn't get the job. And so because of that, she like is taking all this stuff out on tomorrow. But when she has that whole conversation with her, like you got to be you have to be exceptional while they're mediocre. I just thought was such a like a really powerful moment. I mean, because it's like, you know, we know we all know that we know that. Um, But and just but just to have her kind of as she has now experienced life from both sides to just kind of say that outright. Um, I thought was really a really powerful moment in the show. Yeah. There's like there. You you said a lot of really awesome things (laughs) that I want to like dive into. One thing that I'm thinking like in, in your comparison to the, the horror that we see in this episode versus um, the, the haunted house, right. Is that the, the haunted house horror is real. Like those are real. Like besides the baby head, like the gore that we see on those women are are representations of actual like atrocities that happened on black flesh, right? And and what we're seeing here on on the screen is just like you know gag fun spooky the fly body horror, right? Which is representative of of more things, but it, and it also is like that was meant to be horror where this is meant to be like a metamorphosis. Like it's, they mentioned metamorphosis a million times. Yeah. Um, when she's first metamorphosizing, uh, they have the TV on talking about the Kenyan locusts that are invading yeah. the UK. Yeah. They talk about five, that they will have five different um, morphs before they become the, the full beauty thing. And during right. that time, that first like deconstructing, like William is helping her and he, he's like clawing the, the white woman's flesh off of her and it's like grotesque but then at the end when we get this fifth transformation she's doing it and she's like breaking yeah. oh, free yeah. of it it's not like get this off. it's like whew, like no this is at the end like this is me and like that rage and that like power that she has kind of like you know been been gathering and it's also like this this comparison to when she first gets the the vial like on purpose and william's like go out and you know use the magic and she just goes to a park yeah. right like yeah. like that's that's joy that i could go to a park and just, no one's gonna bother me yeah and he makes mention I ice cream. Yes. and he makes mention that he left her money and she didn't take it and basically so she just lived the day on the kindness of strangers because she's a white woman and i she she had the only currency she needed the only currency mm-hmm. needed. and i think it's interesting that they choose to play 
that snippet of um, for Color Girls. Yes. Oddly, so mm-hmm. oddly enough, I'm going to say this for Lynn and Vince. My favorite, uh, I guess, reading or performance of that is actually from Tyler Perry. <laughs> Adaptation of For Color Girls. I love, you know, just like the layering of all the, the actresses in that that particular performance of it, reading it. But I will say mm-hmm. it comes off a little sadder in, in their reading. And this was supposed to be joyful. But I just I just wanted to yeah. point that out. Tyler Perry did something I really liked. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's the and it's a scene that has like a spoken wordish type thing right. that we was didn't feel like it was penetrating or distracting. Like it really did feel like a good mesh because what we're seeing is uh uh a black woman who is powerful in her own right, who is like just trying to enjoy her day as a white woman, while that's over it talking about like that's all that black women right. want. They want to be able to sit here on this park bench. They want to be able to find these small joys. Yeah, bring her um, out and to I felt know like, herself. I, I, yes. That's like want to bring her out to know herself. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is such a beautiful thing. And to like be handled warmly, like to have value just in the skin mm-hmm. that you're in. Yeah, I, I thought that that was, again, the sound design is always, has always been like a, I guess, a point of contention. And and I don't always like the choices, but I, I did like the choice of having that poem over that scene of, of black woman joy while she's pretending to be a white woman. <laughs> Nerd Soul said it reminded yeah. uh, him of the Eddie Murphy sketch on Saturday Night Live of white people just giving, other th- giving each other things for free. You're white. Go ahead. Take it. Uh, it's a, a classic um, bit of Eddie Murphy. There's, there's a lot of like that that irony with the sound design. You, you talked about when, uh, as Hillary Ruby is dancing in front of all the white mm-hmm. women at the store, to what she's dancing to is uh, the song Tutti Fruity by Pat Boone, who is right. Mr. White America of the 1950s. Um, his version of that that song charted much higher than the original version which was little by Richard. little richard little richard um and i i like that kind of like just that little subtle storytelling right there you know um and it, there's a a lot of that in this episode a lot of it to enjoy i i will say that that scene oh uh, you know ariel you were talking about how hard she was on um tamara Tamara, I actually didn't see it as hard on her. I saw her as she, yes, she was pissed that this chick who only had a seventh grade education um, and just basically walked into the store um, looking a little slimmer and fitter than her got the role, got the position, you know, on, yeah, yeah, on a whim. But I felt that what she was offered okay i don't like that how you got here but damn it you're here so you better represent so right boom Mm -hmm. put some lotion on them ashy hands you know what i mean (laughs) but that's the thing right you ain't gotta say it like that you ain't gotta say it like that yeah she wasn't helping her out she was coming at her no i thought she was coming at her yeah Yeah. i did she was was upset but what I saw that as was like this truly like is there a blacker exchange than that right right <laughs> yeah. you asked. you know like I just like she couldn't help but be black mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you've got these ashy hands. Go get some lotion. Yeah, you got the job now. You better represent. You know what I mean? Right. That's why she was telling, like, no, this is not how you stack the shoes. This is what you need to do. So, yes, was she coming at it? Uh, uh, was she a little gruff in her presentation? Yes, because she was a little upset that this chick got this job. And it wasn't just that. She was frantic. She was losing it. She was starting to talk about the party and the dude in the closet the that was undead. Yeah. You don't so know what they got in the She was about to go in. Like, she was at the at her wits, dog. That wasn't just about some but, shoes. Right. I need you over your eyes. I gave this one a second watch. So, all right. <laughs> she was at her wits, dog. She wasn't true just that, about some shoes. That. She was already about, girl, they got stuff you don't even know about. That secret society reigns it. She didn't even know it was secret society. She's like a party with dudes in closet, bleeding to death, never dying. Like, so she don't even know what it was. She just know it wasn't But right. I think that time he- you know, she tried to keep him quiet like they don't know he back there. They they counting on him knocking. He knock five times every hour. That's how they count when they get coffee or something. Like, she, I don't know why she tried to keep him quiet like it's a secret. Like they know well, because he, he was it. trying to rat her out. Because he's one of them. He's one of them. Mm. He had the black neck. He was trying to rat her out because she shouldn't have been in there. Right. And he was just held because he had information. But he's one of them. Yeah. Well, and certainly. I don't care if I'm strapped up in this closet because my own people put me in here. You're still a black woman in my space. We're right. being tortured. Okay. I'm going to rat right. you out. Yeah. You know what else I thought that mania was, though? And, and this is I'm sure you all have talked about it, but I feel it's been building since the first episode. I just feel like Ruby and Letty are on a collision course. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be this reckoning. And, you know, and back to the casting of Ruby, just visually, you, you know, you look at Journey Smollett and what she looks like. And you look at, and I just forgot the sister's Wanine name. Masaka. The actress. Wanine, yeah. Wanine Masaka, and you see what she looks like. And you know that there's a reckoning coming about how Letty has been treated based on how she looks and how Ruby has been treated based on how she looks. And and circle back to tomorrow, I, I thought it was such... I thought it was such an interesting choice to make tomorrow brown, dark brown, mm-hmm. so that you know it's not just about complexion. Mm-hmm. It's also size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in my mind, part of, part of, of that mania about tomorrow, and, and she just sort of waltzed into this dream job kind of mirrored her talking to Letty when Letty said that her mother had given her this money, you know, when she thought the money came from her mother and it's, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I just feel like there are these two trains that are going through their own separate journeys, but they're on a collision course with each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of projecting that's happening in this show, like with Montrose projecting with Yehima and her projecting here. Because like the fact that she walked into this office as a white woman with the same resume, mm-hmm. the same right. credentials, the same work, the same hard work and gets assistant manager. Mm-hmm. Just uh, interview one. Right. The exact same resume. Yeah, that wasn't uh- was that insulting or like verifying? Because she was definitely proud of herself for a hot second, but like I, that, that's just so frustrating for me. I don't know. I think that was two halves of the same coin. Well, I think like I don't think that part was like I do think she was proud of that, and I think there was a moment where she felt like she was starting to get what she had always desired, and it was that she had put so much weight and hope onto this 
job because that was the happiness for her mother and she thought she could be that for someone else's mother Mm. um and so like that that was it's not even about the role it was just like what she put it up to be i think the insult did come from tamara being like i got a seventh grade like education i you know don't know what i'm doing and and she was again already at her wits end like to not even hear like Obviously, these women are taking advantage of Tamara. Like, that's why she didn't get the shoes where they are, because they're asking her to do her job, their job. Um, and there, there's like all of that. But I think that was the insult. And I think that's when she was like angry at Tamara. And it's not her fault at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do you want to read that? Lynn? Uh, yeah. Nerd Soul said <laughs> that it's insulting and hurtful on one hand and then gratifying as well. Very crazy. Yeah. Yeah. With that, the the song, the Tutti Frutti, when it was on and she was dancing, I was like, this ain't Tutti Frutti. I was like, I was like, this ain't my Tutti Frutti. I was like, cover. And then later, they're in the, the there's a transition, uh, and we hear Little Richard's Tutti Frutti, and I was like, there's Tutti Frutti. I was like, <laughs> this, I was like I'm waiting yeah. for it to come back in here, because um, that's exactly what I thought too. Um, yeah, they're they those white women, oof. That yeah. was a experience and a half sinister. But I think so to, to kind of link that. So, again, so we have like these these white women who are like, oh, I want to go to the south side. I want to go. Can you take us to a bar? So you've been treating this woman like shit the whole time she's been there. You got her doing your job while y'all dicking around in the, in the back room. But now, right. it's like, oh, she's our doorway into this other world. Right. Because you at the end of the day, you you again think less of it but you want to be a part of it and then Mm -hmm. i think that that circles back to lancaster the police chief so when you he takes off his shirt and you see the the body grass specifically it is black skin yeah Mm -hmm. i mean and even the Mm -hmm. man and i was trying to figure out what that was it's it's skin grass like he's like frankensteining himself but it's black skin and if you look at the man in the closet he had like a black patch on his neck so again it's like Again, it's it's this possession. It's like your this desire. I mean, much like Get Out is again, it's this desire for right. for white people to possess blackness, right? And so it's like, so am I less because you want to be me and you're mad about that? And again, this this idea of um this white accessibility. Like, if you're white, you get what you want. Like, even the idea of like magic is on the side of white people. So we we've had that come around twice. So when Ruby's like. You know, I have seen what white people can do. And even uh, I can't remember if it was Atticus or Montrose, but somebody said, oh, they even have magic on their side. Right. So that's like so you have everything. So the idea that you can't have access to what makes me me, it's like you can't even fathom that. I mean, I think that's why you, right. you have to have the conversation of why you can't say the N word, because in your mind, you can't rationalize that something isn't for you. Right. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so again, so now that we have this power, we have this magic. So now we're going to use that to t- also take blackness. Like, I just think that's interesting because it's like you could have skin graft. I mean, because clearly they don't care about people. Right. So it's not like I can't harm, you know, white people because he was calling Christina all kinds of bitches and cunts and you yeah. know, all you that stuff. Yeah. Right? So, so it's not like, oh, you're you're white. So I hold you on this pedestal. So why did you choose to to use a, a a black person's body to make these these um modifications to yourself, you know. 
Yeah, and like the black body, that's it's hidden too, because he says like, "Did anyone see?" Like, it, it's a point of like, "Those are that's my secret." Like, we're not going to show that. Right. And and uh, uh, Christina even says like later, like you, that's the currency of magic. Do whatever the fuck you want. But what she meant was use white privilege. That's the currency right. of magic. Right. <laughs> that's that's the what magic is. Otherwise, you know, you're screwed. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> uh, I, I feel like what can I say that has not already been said? Um, Ruby was definitely after Tamara. That's why she also threw in there, hey, she's going to take us to a bar on the south side. She had to throw her under the bus with that whole exchange. Like, that was insult to injury to twist the knife further. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until she saw her get attacked that she started to realize who she was when she was Hillary as well mm-hmm. right um and you know that was after she you know transformed i guess the last time in the in well not the last time time before last in the uh in the alley and it mm-hmm. was like the easiest for her mm-hmm. and she just kind of like shrugged it off um i definitely recognize that it's the um the symbolism of putting on the shell or the mask of a white person not turning yourself white um, that's a, definitely a clear distinction I picked mm-hmm. up on. Um, it's just so brilliant on so many levels, um, not to overuse the term. Uh, what else? Oh, and also when she said, I didn't need the money, my the whiteness was all I needed. Yeah. Right. And I had the best day yeah. ever. I think that was one of the statements. Like, there's always, like, one or two lines that always, like, sit with me, you know what I mean, from an episode. And, <clears throat> and that was one of them. Um, yeah, and the line letting, about the white the white women are only what did dis, she say? Disillusioned. Oh, they're only like they're disillusioned about themselves or something like that. Yeah. It was like I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not, real quick, just to clarify for myself, when they were in the back trying on things, did they leave those things or they took them home with them? Because as comfortable as oh, they I'm were, sure. I can really see them just like, I don't know. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure. With this. I'm not sure about I think that. they did uh, leave with them because I think those are the shoes. Those are the, the bloody shoes. Yeah, the same shoes the she red used, bottoms. Uh, for her manager at the end. She made them red bottoms. She made, made her own red bottoms, yes. Bloody shoes. Yes. <laughs> she specifically got bloody shoes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And, for, and for every issue with the, um, the sound engineering, that was right on time when it was like, Cardi, yeah, and she was like, "Fuck them." Yeah, so that yeah. was like right on point. Even if you don't like the today's music in the period piece, that was like right on point. The Cardi, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that was really great. Yeah, that was that was per- time perfectly. But yeah, but um, but yeah, I I I, I don't know. I I'm, I still need to see Montrose pay a pen. Yeah. Because he's still got some comments. He, he didn't pay enough. Yeah. Um, I, I, what, what do you think of um, the payoff that we've been talking about for five episodes? I'll ask you uh, first, Vince. What do you think of the payoff that <laughs> Christina and William are one in the same? I honestly didn't see it coming. No, I not did. you, Vince. I did. I'm so I did happy. not. I think I think when because um you know Christina's not in the novel, no. so we're, or her character is male in the novel, right? Mm-hmm. So I honestly thought that the show was going in a completely different direction, and I it, 
you know, I think this is much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, I think most of the changes that they've made Mm -hmm. are much more interesting. But yeah, I, I, it made perfect sense in retrospect. But yeah, I, Wow. Caught me off guard. Wow. It, it, I mean, they, they dropped subtle hints for the first four episodes, but this one, there was like, there was one hint that just like really hit you on the head. And that was in the beginning of the episode where you see William getting dressed and you can see that in his closet, there are men and women's clothing in, right. in this person's clothing in his right. closet there. You didn't, also- well, I did notice. When you put on the ascot, it was like such a flourish mm-hmm. in a, in an episode that that was really foregrounding Montrose in his sexuality. I thought maybe they were queering him. Okay, but mm. you know, yeah, I guess I, I was, was thinking too deep. I thought it was super. I thought the the biggest like like ding like confirmed. <laughs> I was like, I, even if they didn't show William at the end, I was like, this this. Uh, theory of Ariel's has been confirmed because uh, one we see Dell and we know that person is presumably dead that Ruby's walking around in her and then Christina tells her flat out that William died and then she says mm. but he thought it was different but that he got shot in the back and thrown into the to this river like he is dead so I was like William is dead and Christina's wearing this dead man's skin because that's how it works they have to be dead for you to be walking around in them oh, and so I that, that <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. I heard that and I was like, confirmed. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like conspiracy. Um, well, and that's, I was like, well, Gabe, I'll okay. say this. I wasn't sure if William was was a like a person just like we know Dell was a person or if Christina was able to kind of conjure him because I didn't know if the scene where it's like, oh, he got shot in the back and he's they thought he was dead if it was her immunity working. So I wasn't mm. sure what, but I do like I, see, I do yeah. like your takeaway that it was like he was a person that was murdered, and then Christina took advantage of that and said, "Ha Well, I'm gonna use his privilege and walk around with a man." But and and to Vince, to your point, I actually do think it it brings about a question of Christina's sexuality because I do think she likes Ruby. So I think yeah. I think I think she recognizes like the kindred spirit, like, you know, this woman that's capable of so much more, but she's, you know, in whatever cage she's in. And again, Christina's cage is bigger, but it's still a cage. Right. And so she recognizes it's like, I'm giving you the keys. Like she said, to do whatever the fuck you want. And because that's the keys I have, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I'm, and I'm giving you that option. And I, and I really do think, cause I think in the book, we talked about this in the book, I think that Caleb, um, definitely, had a genuine care for, right. care for Ruby. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't trust yeah. him, I think he I think he did care for her, and I think the same is true of Christina. So I think that's an interesting now dynamic to their relationship because now now there's this other piece to it. It's not just like oh black white, but other than that, it's a you know traditional heterosexual relationship. It's like well now we've got this this piece where it's like oh you approached me in your male form, but this is your true form. So what's up? You know what I mean? Like, I still feel that right, I still feel right. that tension between them. Yeah, I think it's I think there are two kind of uh, differences in the way that we're kind of walking around in another skin. Um, like with Ruby, I feel like she never really feels like Hillary. Mm. Like Hillary really is just like this this tool who literally is just her kind of like 
pretending, but I do feel like in a way, I think Christina has been wearing William for a long time. And I think a part of her might exist as William too. Like I think she, she's both mm-hmm. Christina and William. And I don't know if that's because of how often she's switching between them and how fluidly it's become. And, and at some point it becomes this gray area. But like, I think the way that Christina reacts and interacts with Ruby is so much different than the way that William did. And even when she has snide remarks of like, um, you know, uh, William does like, you know, uh, the strong willed women, right? Right. Like that kind of was like a dig. And that felt like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, like we are in the same body, but that's a different person than me Mm. that we just have decided to live together. And I think that's why I think like having that ending where she's like you were William the whole fucking time and then leaving yeah. it at that because I'm like what what is the next thing like how does that conversation happen and is it really like her being like yes but no um like you because mm-hmm. we we are different we're just like you know I, I'm not gonna say two spirit because she ain't getting that um but that they are like you know Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde in there in a way that I don't think Ruby would have ever been with Hillary because I don't I think that was always going to be a tool for her to um love and embrace herself and find that she was she was far more beautiful and interesting <laughs> than you know this woman can make and that her dream was was honestly just a, a fabrication uh an allusion to what she actually was looking for um which was for someone to tell her that she's doing a good job and that she's worthy. Right. George Kimona asked the yeah. question, I wonder how evil Fitz, Fitz felt about her transforming into <laughs> a man, or did he know? Oh, her dad? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he knew. I'm assuming Probably he didn't not. know. Yeah. Because uh, that was one question I had about the whole thing before I realized, well, you guys just dropped the bomb about it used to be somebody that was alive. If she was him, how did she get him accepted into the lodge? Mm-hmm. Like, so that was my main question if they were the same person. So if he's already somebody who was in the lodge and she's just using his face because he's dead now, then that problem's just already solved. Mm. Yeah. But that was one question I had. That is a question but I it, had too. And also, I'm like just putting like all the threads together of like everybody who's like quote unquote hiding in skin. So you have Sammy who does his whole drag thing and becomes somebody else. Montrose who's hiding, pretending to be somebody else in plain sight, but still trying to be true to himself. You have Christina who's pretending to be William, who has feelings for Ruby, who now has to see if she has Ruby feelings for the person who Christina was, not the man William she was pretending to be. And then you have all three of those, that's four different perspectives of all being somebody or not somebody else and then being yourself and knowing who you are and then being with somebody who you choose that wants to be with you too regardless of who they are yeah i think what we learned from this episode is that we're all very deep creatures and that there's no black or white just like this is what you Ever. are right. you are all yeah, complex nobody is one thing. you are unique that is very complex <laughs> nobody is one thing yeah except that you are you are a multitude of, of things and use that to be a, you know a nice thing uh, those two love triangles are like rectangles uh, uh shanya mason says passing is definitely a theme oh yeah in this episode well, and you know what, though, more than passing, like, again, I think it's really about, you know, being who you are. Like, I, because I feel like 
Ruby, I don't want to say, I don't want to say her wish was necessarily to be a white woman, but to have that privilege and to have access that a white woman would have. And then at the end, she realizes, I don't want that, right? Mm -hmm. Christina, I think, Mm -hmm. treats William as a tool. Like, she knows what her end game is, and and William is a tool that she uses, but she doesn't want to. And I think she gets angry at the fact that she has to put this mask on to be respected for who she is because all, all of her, like, magical talent is hers. You know, but it's only accepted when she has on this man's face. And then for Montrose to, to, again, just be in a space where he can just be. So I don't necessarily think it's like passing is the prison. You, every, all these characters out in the world have passing, but none of them being happy. And it's really when they, they want to be able to be in the world as themselves, that's, that's the real freedom. So I don't think that, I don't think the theme was passing. I think it is in the freedom and being who you are, right? Yeah. And and again, in Ruby's mm-hmm. right. journey of like passing, she just discovers that this is not what I thought it would be, right? It's like, I, these are not the people I want to spend time with, essentially, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. She learned a lot. Yeah. She learned a lot. And and, and I guess it, it, to, to pay it forward, it would be interesting to Gabe's uh, point, you know, what is on the other side of you've been William the whole fucking time. And is that a moment for Christina to let go of the William facade and just be herself? Because the one thing that Ruby learns in taking a walk in a white woman's shoes is that as, as um, attractive and possibly addictive as it can be to give in to that privilege to kind of like, you know, wear it and just and just use it. Um, she wouldn't be true to herself and she just didn't feel right. And that's why she just had to let go of it in such a violent way at the end. Um, right. And, and whew, it was was it violent? Um, but I can. But having been introduced to Ruby over these four episodes, you know, you knew at the end of the day, that's how she was going to, she was going to come out of it. You knew that she, she couldn't be false. She can't be. So it, it, that might be a lesson that she imparts onto Christina as a way of, if there is to be any type of a relationship between them, um, that might, that lesson might be the bridge to that uh, relationship. Me myself, I still think Christina is in some way using Ruby uh, oh, as absolutely. a means to get 100%. oh absolutely to, get to Letty. And so I'm I'm still on the fence about whatever quote unquote feelings she may have for Ruby. Um, but it might be interesting if that's the way to go. Yeah. But I think that I mean I, again I think that just kind of speaks to the how complicated human beings are like I do like I I I don't fully trust Christina but I do think Christina has genuine care and concern for Ruby but that doesn't mean she's not going to use Ruby right Mm -hmm. so I'm not I'm not trying to speak like oh Christina is going to move hell and high water for Ruby it's like she will if it suits her purpose right but I do think I do think there is a fondness for Ruby that is genuine but mm. but Ruby mm. is still a pawn in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think she cares the way that Caleb did. <laughs> oh, really? Right. You think there's a difference in in the care? 
between the characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, George Camona said Ruby definitely wanted the manager to know whose shoe he had <laughs> up his butt. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, like you said, we always knew that Ruby was going to end up being Ruby at the end of the day. Because I think a big th- thing that we know about her character is that from the beginning with her kind of trying to get this job was always like, I'm going to work really hard and that's how I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. Like, we have right. to move forward as a race and that's what's holding us back is that you're not trying hard enough, right? Like, she always had this kind of... uh you know, perseverance and faith in who she was, despite all of, of the failures or the, the things that were put in her way. And even when she's being like confronted with the very obvious like flaws in that theory, like she's going to come out at the top. <laughs> she's going to do it. And I feel like I do think Christina's using her. I think if kind of in that dichotomous, like she is both Christina and William, I think William part of her cares about Ruby. I do not think Christina gives shit about Ruby. Um, but I think, uh, that Ruby will also learn to use Christina. Like, mm. I, that's what I'm hoping for is that there's, right. I think there's going to be a lot of like switches and, and sh- shifting of power as, as they start to get like smarter about what's happening. Like once Hippolyta like figures out what's going on over there, like that's going to be a switch in power. Cause that's a powerful woman. That's going to be like, there's magic. Heck yeah. yeah. And I'm going <laughs> to use it. Right. You know, like there's no way um, that you're going to like that. This side's going to lose if we got, Hippolyta on our our side um and so I think um like with that and I think Ruby's going to be able to use that I think Letty's going to be able to use her spooky house and then you know Tick is also there uh <laughs> we're gonna see what him and Gia are doing uh in uh Korea and nice. and so and so the interesting thing about Gia when he's uh working to in uh translate uh, the the book or the pages from the book and then he calls Gian he's like how did you know so it's like who the fuck is she and like what what like what right. connection does she have to this magic that she was able to prophesy something because because he was shook when he read it right so so the, yes. so the, something that she spoke is coming to pass so I'm interested to see like how she fits into the the larger puzzle of this like magical world yeah, she didn't even say hello. There was no onion There was none of that. She knew who was on that line. Unlike episode one when she was like, Tick, is it? She was like, Oh, hmm? you're back. And I knew it. Right. Um, I also really loved the very... one person got her phone number. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I did love the very honest way that they take on trying to do the translation where they're like, you know, if it, you know, has anything to do with like Anglo Saxon, <laughs> like this or that, like what that's not how that works. Right. Like we do not have the Rosetta right. Stone. Right. <laughs> I loved. That. I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that will put a bow on our review of episode five of Lovecraft Country: Strange Case. Uh, I hope that you have in- enjoyed it. Uh, Melissa G said, "Gabe just throws some shade at Tick." Uh, look at you, Gabe, just throwing shade all over the place. It's what you do. It's what you do. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, Vince, Vincent Williams of the Michaud Mission. Uh, thanks for sitting in with us, brother. Always, always. Why don't you... You know, I love to love to play with the tribbles. Why, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> why don't you give uh, the listeners the quick 30-second pitch on what the Michaud Mission is about? Uh, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made, 
we talk about black films and I'm one of the men and Lynn, you are the other one of the men. <laughs> yes, I and am. And Tuesday nights at seven, we, we do it live. Six and Wednesday o'clock. morning. Six. I'm sorry. Tuesday night, six, we do it live. And Wednesday, the podcast is everywhere the podcast could be. And it's a lot of fun. And please come and join us. Yeah. Come. Seven o'clock is when you do it after Lynn didn't hit record, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Got you. Got you. That's what it is. And, Seven is a do Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, again, thank you, Vince, for taking the time to, to My pleasure. With us, thank man. you for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank um, you, Vince. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're welcome to come back um, at, after the season finale, if you like, man. I was about to say, I okay, might come in for, for the finale so we can talk about the whole thing. The whole oh. shebang. All right. Yeah. Well, consider yourself booked, brother. All right. There you go. All right. Um, Wait, can I just say, I would also, again, like to just thank the powers that be for Jonathan Major's arms. It, it was a joy. At times, I had a hard time focusing. I say, he out here, he got, like, uh, you know, T's on, his, his arms out, he got his little glasses on, he's reading. He's, a, he's like a nerd, but, like, in shape. I can't. Was there any one? Was there any one scene that you had uh, especially hard time focusing on? Like when Ariel? he, you know, wakes up at the table in Letty's basement and Letty's rubbing his his shoulders. It's like, all right, when he leans in on the tub, I said, oh, <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't know how you get anything done. I can't concentrate. <laughs> Just, I gotta put that out there. So thanks, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, and it's tra- uh, trapezius muscles, uh, as Nerd Soul uh, put it. Yeah, we didn't get we didn't get butt. Well, his butt. We got oh, different right. butt. And I'm still I'm still I'm still not complaining. <laughs> I'll see Journey's yeah, butt I, any I, day. I, I'm, the, I'm the arms, <laughs> and Gabe is the butt. But I will say, also shout out to Journey Smollett's uh, lingerie. I said that. I said what she got on. Like you said, it's like this your second it's time. It's your second time. You Are you play. sure? She said, "Oh, you caught me off guard that first time, but I got you." Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, do yes. that. Yes. Well, well, well I, I, I I'm glad somebody. You, but after you see Jonathan Major's arms and apparently his butt as well, you gotta level up. It's like I gotta come right because I know where I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me get myself together, <laughs> yeah. and that's what she did. Well, she and did, she did yeah. very well, very nicely. I, 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 I enjoyed that, that that a great deal as well. Um, Seconded. Enough said. Or four. <laughs> okay. All right, we got to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, hey, if you like the Michelle Mission, there's another podcast that you can check. The Ghouls Next Door with our own Gabe the Horror Triple. They talk about horror from uh, man. They get like ed- edutainment with with their reviews of horror uh, on The Ghouls Next Door. Look for that any place that you find podcasts, as well as while you're doing that, why don't you let your fingers do your walking through AmalgamPhilly.com, wherever you are, and get your comic books from the best comic book store 
in the world. Amal- Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, which uh, is the home of our very own Ariel, the uncanny triple, the proprietor of said store. And I said it. I don't care what anybody says. Fight me on it. Amalgam Comics and Coffee House is the best comic book shop in the entire world. Done. Go. AmalgamPhilly.com. Represent. Okay? Um, and myself and the, and the Master Tribble and all of his Tribbles, you can find any place and every place that you find Black Tribbles on BlackTribbles.com as well as where you find podcasts and on YouTube where you're looking at us right now. Okay? All right. So for the Uncanny Tribble, for the Horror Tribble, for the Master Tribble, for the visiting Vincent Williams, a.k.a. Jack Tribble, uh, this is the Bat Tribble. In parting, we say... Beware of white men locked in closets. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> We're out of here. Catchy. All of them. <laughs> and white butts. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>